to episode 123 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I am your host, the titular Stace, and joining me in the parlour this month is a friend of the show and friend of me and baffling man. I mean that in a good way. I mean that in a, in a good way, but he's a baffling man. It's the lovely Nick Papa Constantino. Hello, sir. Hello. Hi, it's been ages and ages Welcome and ages. Welcome back to the parlour. Have you, because my sense of time is well squiffy yet, have you been in the parlour since we did the live show in Southampton? You must have, surely. I think there might have been one where it was James and me on the floor in his um, in his bedroom. James uh, James Gilly and me on the floor in his bedroom uh, with with you with the pod doing the podcast not like Just I think being sexy on the floor in your no I, no I, yeah no it wasn't it was really it was a very awkward recording and I can't remember why we were doing it there instead of in a more sensible sort of situation but I think that was the last one I did was but then I can't remember it's such a long time I haven't done any podcasting in ages actually so um, yeah I don't I don't know. We, I think it must be since you were down here. That was brilliant, though. The the live, the um, what was the it? The <laughs> yeah, the super pod. That was that was absolutely terrific. I really liked it. it James and I talk about that all the time. <laughs> One of my favourite things about that was uh, like obviously I very much enjoyed doing my show, but I did shit myself a little bit because I'm not good at being in front of people and live. And also, I don't know how you found this. But I found it really difficult trying to like cater to the fact that there was a live audience in front of me, but also not being too physical so that podcast listeners weren't really missing out on me being an idiot. But one of my favourite things about that was getting invited onto your show and doing oh, yeah. a, a sort of audio drama and just fluffing up the absolute first line that I had. So <laughs> that, just set the, that just set the scene, I think, for the, the rest of that episode, which people should definitely check out. I'm sure it exists on the internet somewhere. To, I I always feel a little bit awful about that because the script was it was a script we didn't normally do scripts and it was a script that had been written by my like our friend uh, James who is who's here in Southampton with me so not with me but in the same town and um and I I vaguely remember that I was I, I really leaned into this horrible sort of mean spirited <laughs> mean-spirited why are you making us say this stuff james sort of i think he really liked it because i think he was quite nervous about how it was going to go and it took the it took the pressure off him a little bit but i i i felt like afterwards i felt like uh, i felt like it brought out something really mean in me i don't i don't know funny but mean it was, it was like great. a panic reaction because you were like i don't want people to judge my acting skills so i'm just gonna be a dick I, <laughs> I don't i don't know it's always it's really hard to pick 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 that sort of stuff apart, isn't it? I know that I never volunteer for live stuff. Like I've never it, we, uh, James and I when we were podcasting a lot, there was this um there was this slightly weird dynamic where he loved the idea of doing that stuff and like doing doing shows live from free comic book day things in comic shops and stuff like that. And I absolutely hated it because I like to I like to have some idea. I get a lot of I, I, I like I'm not that much of a control freak in general but i like to know the shape of something before i get there and there's something really wild about those situations that like i don't i don't volunteer for them but then once i'm there 
I have to admit, I do kind of buzz a little bit off the attention in a way that I think actually makes him clamp down. So he'll volu- he'd volunteer us for stuff, and then when we get there, I'd be the one who'd be sort of drag- dragging us along, sort of saying, "No, come on, it's going to be okay," sort of thing. Um, <laughs> so it's it's um, which I guess worked out quite well, really. But like, um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I, I kind of buzzed. I kind of buzzed off it a little bit uh, having a, having actual one once people started laughing I was like oh okay well that's one laugh that's all like at least it's at least Not it terrible. hasn't been a complete disaster <laughs> and then that just did something really bad to my ego I think I, I don't know I was like more of that please I want see, people to be laughing at me <laughs> see I I had a really weird thing about that show because I ended up on a lot more of it than I probably should have been <laughs> I think uh, because I just I was at a loss of things to do in Southampton. So I just kept turning back up to the Superpod and going, do you need someone to say some words? Because I'll do it. But (laughs) but like the little portion that was officially sort of like my show section, like genuinely made me feel sick the entire time, even though people were laughing and joking and like you and you and James were having a good time and like ribbing each other. And uh, everybody thought you were potentially a serial killer. Um, Yeah, that was. Yeah. (laughs) like all of that was like just a nightmare for me because I was like yeah I just I feel sweaty and disgusting and I don't know where to put my hands and I don't know what's happening and I hate it but all the bits where I just sort of wandered in and went ah do you want to say some words it was like there was no pressure on me yeah. because I just rolled in <laughs> so I didn't mind that so much but um it, it went yeah. all right I think I, I get it I th- no, I, I think I think it did I think I think the I think with that that's like my I don't like having birthday parties I don't like the idea that people are there for me specifically. It's too much, Rich, yeah, you know. Pressure. Yeah, and it's like th- that's that's immediately off once someone else is the poor schmuck in the in the in the firing you have to, line. To like hire somebody who's got a birthday around the time, the same time as yours, and ostensibly make it their party. Yeah. It's actually yeah, I think get away with a, it. I think that's a good idea. I don't. Well, but the but the funny the funny thing about it is like whenever I've been to whenever I've been to a comic convention, which you know that hasn't happened in a while. But whenever I've been to a comic convention and I've seen people behind their desks, their their tables, like selling their stuff or just I mean, really, I think it's more about having somewhere to sit at a comic convention. I think yeah. I think that's what it is. <laughs> I always think I would really like to do that, even if no one comes over and talks to me. I'd really like to just have somewhere to sit. No, it's not. It's weird. It is. It's very strange because obviously we like there's something about there's something about us that makes us want to be performing or something, even if it doesn't come naturally, if that makes sense. Because we keep volunteering for it. We keep (laughs) volunteering ourselves for it. No, somebody asked me the other day when I was going to do another live parlor and I was like, I don't (laughs) much effort and it's scary it's especially the way you do it like I, i'm always really impressed with the way you do it but you like go out of your way to stretch yourself with who you ask to be on it i don't know it, why i do that and i don't know why i almost always end up scheduling somebody like very important for the very last person on the show when i am a thousand percent out of my mind with sleep deprivation <laughs> I'm just like trying to talk to Adam Hughes, like, hello, sir, mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like an actual fan. Of. Um, hey, this show's about pop culture, though, isn't it? Um, yeah. Sir Nicholas. Yes. What have I been watching of late? Um, you cut out a tiny bit there, so I, 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 I'm, I'm piecing together. That you said Fill watching. It in. 
fill in the gaps <laughs> yeah um i oh just all sorts i spend a lot of time on my own these days like because i'm in a flat which i haven't I haven't done that for a little while and i'm working from home which means when i have my lunch break I'll quite often end up just watching something or I'll have something on my second screen next to me. So I've been watching loads of weird filler TV, like half hour episodes of things. Not so many films, but I've been watching a bit of that. But I mean, I guess it's like I went on a bit of a tear for Channel 4 comedies, which are traditionally something that I've always dodged because I don't like my knee jerk reaction, which is totally unfair to English comedy specifically, is that I've I've got it into my head that they're mostly naff, right? Right. <laughs> which okay. which is all or that they'll be too broad or they'll just be like loud for the sake of being loud or something. And there's no I that is based on there's no real reason for me to believe that, except that I I I don't know what it is that that drives that because I don't necessarily feel the same way about most American sitcoms. And I think it might be like secondhand embarrassment at seeing English people try something and maybe being a bit rubbish at it. I don't I don't know. But so we've been talking online a little bit about Staff Let's Flats, which I just went crazy for a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. I ended up binging the whole lot of it. And I had seen trailers for that show for a few years. And every time I saw it, thought, is this just another thing where some young, like young comedy actor just makes a tit of himself like and it's it's what everyone's into now and i'll just watch it and i don't know there was something there's something about that sort of loud brash it's the way things are advertised as well that i think is the problem because like they advertise it based on the slapstick and um, outrageousness of it and that isn't really what attracts me to things it isn't really what i enjoy but i must have run out of um what we do in the shadows to watch or something and 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 got it into my head well maybe i could watch something else with the same with the same lady in who's in what what we do in the shadows so i started watching staff let's flats and somehow in all of the adverts i'd seen of it i had no idea it was about greek separate immigrants it just it just hadn't to be fair pardon seemed to be fair yeah i mean it was it's it was very it's very strange because within the first episode you've got all of this stuff between the brother and sister that like i mean and they are ridiculous that there aren't i don't actually have anyone in my family who's as stupid as staff is to be honest but like people do (laughs) yeah well and um and the thing with their dad as well who is just like there are people in my family who are a bit like their dad you know who is like an older greek gentleman who tries to talk very quietly and he's always like trying to keep himself from shouting because you know that his natural state would be to be losing his temper and stuff like that. And no one, what no one ever talks about with any of these comedy shows, when they talk about them, people sort of um, repeat catchphrases or they'll like have in jokes about them, but nobody ever talks about how much heart they've got. Yeah. And that's the thing with stuff. Let's flats is there's just so much love in that show. It's ridiculous. Um, there's he's an idiot to some people and nasty to some people, but then the dynamic between him and his sister, and between him and I guess is it Alistair, the very pale boy who works in there, yeah. who works in the set in their dad's business, um, is just so sort of sweet. And I just got through like I got through I think it's I don't know how many series of it are I think there are, right. but I just chained through all of them. Um, and then I just followed four 
um, whatever the whatever the streaming service they've got is. I just followed their algorithm basically and watched a bunch of other <laughs> bunch of other Brit comedies despite myself. Oh. See, I, I might have to have a look at um like other four comedies because I don't know why I'd always sort of got into my head that everything that comes from Channel Four is going to be like the In Betweeners and like mm. I even like In Betweeners even though I know that that is a show that is like <laughs> it's just it's. It's like crass for the sake of being crass, and yeah. everybody in it is an asshole of some flavour. Like, like nobody in there is really a likable character. They're all just like dickhead school kids. So I sort yeah. of got into my head that it'd be like, oh, you know, everything that it'd be like enjoyable, but it'll just be like, eh, you know, I'm not that bothered. And yeah. uh, and I had a weird thing about Statlet's Flats because Rich was watching it when Series One came out. And I hadn't seen it at all. So when series two started and he started watching that and I was with him, I was like, what describe to people uh, mm. how great it is in the sense of like, because yes, it is very slapstick and yes, it can be very silly. And like you say, there are a lot of like, you know, catchphrasey sort of in jokey bits. Um, but it's also actually like genuinely lovely. <laughs> yeah. Um, like one of the things that really struck me a lot very quickly is that even the people that Stath sort of hates, like the people from the rival letting agencies and stuff, he's actually really supportive of. Yeah. Like in their endeavours as well. <laughs> it's just like imagine a man who's like this non-toxic. Good lord. <laughs> yeah. Um, and his friendship with Al, I thought, was really nice because there's a lot of I don't really masculinity because it's not really that that higher level of awful but there's like a lot of shows where you know blokes showing affection for one another in a huggy way or in a complimentary way is not you know people they just it's not like it's frowned upon like it's a bit all like a bit girly lads or like do you know what i mean and it's like well actually no it's just two men like supporting one another and having actually a genuinely touching friendship <laughs> Actually, yeah, no. In which they support one another and aren't terrible. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want that for yourself? Um, it is. It's just. It is. It's. It is lovely. Like it's not even funny a lot of the time. It's just like really sweet and it's so genuine as well. What I love about um Al is that like I was reading an interview with him the other day and like somebody <laughs> one of the questions was about um what's the worst heckle he's ever had and he was like people don't heckle me I think they they can tell that I wouldn't be able to take it (laughs) is he a stand-up as well I don't think I he is yeah he was in a what film did I see him in yesterday literally watched a film yesterday and I can't remember what it was Jeez (laughs) Louise my brain ladies and gents and non-binary folks nope it's gone but like I absolutely love that guy because he he's the kind of character that a lot of other people would play as like so cringe that it would be impossible for you to even like him because you'd just be like you're so much of a disaster how do you even exist how have you gotten through life but i think i think this guy plays him in such a way that it's like you just genuinely feel for him and you're like oh what a look there's a bit i think in i think it's in season three where he's talking to somebody and he says look i know i haven't got any characteristics of a person <laughs> but i really like you and i was like oh no but it's true that that's the thing. It's what's what's really what's really strange in that show is um it's you keep like you like you kind of keep waiting because of the way these shows we well, the way just programs are the way stories work you keep kind of expect expecting staff or him to show some core competence at something yeah. you know yeah. to to actually turn out to be good at, at, at something and it never really happens for for either of them except except that like 
I don't know. I don't know. Staff really does stick to it. That they, but I, I don't. It's because it, there's this other, there's this um, other. The flip side to that is when his sister performs. Whenever she's in front of an audience, like I think it happens two or three times in that in that show. She's not a great singer, and she does a stand-up show at one point as well. And there's so much watching it for me, especially, and probably you feel it as well. There's so much tension at the like this is just going to be humiliating for her yeah like this is they're just the audience is going to laugh at her it's going to be awful because what she's doing is awful but somehow it just always comes off it always works out for her so it's it's really um it's really strange that that they are characters who aren't like they get to be triumphant sometimes or they they get to have their moments sometimes even though um al al has like he's he's absolutely perfect at showing her how much he loves her that's that's what that's the one thing he can do he knows how to sort of express his feelings to her i think that even becomes like something he says later on that that is his primary characteristic and it's weird because he's not a guy who can articulate literally anything else in the in the course of the show spoiling it we're spoiling it massively i I think but it's um but yeah so there's that and of course nothing else really nothing else that i've watched since then has really been quite as good but there was one show that i that i um wanted to mention because it was in that string of i think it only ever had one series on channel four and it is very it's a very post spaced show and i can't remember if you've ever talked about spaced uh i haven't because i don't like it yeah yeah i think i think we i think we might have talked about that in fact that before but like there's um and as time has gone on i have soured on it a little bit myself as well um which is funny because i still like all of i still like most of the people who are in it in fact, I still still like all of the people in it, and I still like Edgar Wright as a director. But the reason I, the reason uh, this this show um it's called Wasted, and the reason it made me think of Spaced is because it's kind of roughly that same mix of twenty somethings just twenty somethings just being wasters and like having their weird, slightly surreal adventures. But it's actually it surprised me that it was actually really nicely made. It's because it's um yeah, so it's called Wasted. And it's about this brother and sister and their male and female friends. Um, and there's like lots of like unrequited love pinging around as well. But they work in this little tattoo shop. They're kind of the, the boys, the, the, the main boy is called Murphy, Morpheus, not Murpheus. And, um, and he's kind of a nerd. Um, there's the, there's like, they're all archetypes basically. There's the, the slightly cool friend who in the first episode comes back from having tried to make it big in the city as a DJ. But the city I think he's talking about is Bristol because it's just down the road from the village they live in. And it's all like funny little rural, regional details like that. They go in one episode, they go for a night out. They go for a night out in Bath, but then they screw up their taxi home and have to walk the treacherous eight miles back to back to their village. And it's all like it's all very familiar sort of walking walking through the woods to get home from places which is something that something that you get you get in lots of places in in this country but one of the um one of the 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 most surreal things about it is that morpheus keeps having these sort of visions in which his spirit guide turns up and his spirit guide is how have i forgotten his name ned stark what's his name the one who always dies what's he called Oh, the one. Oh, uh, Sean. Uh, Sean Bean. Bean figure. <laughs> yeah, but he's like, and it's it's Sean Bean as Sean Bean, but dressed as Ned Stark and doing the Ned Stark voice, and it's just oh. like this 
weird. So it's it's like this it's like this twenty something absurd show, but it, it did it did make me laugh quite a few times. And it's there's only one series because obviously it didn't get picked up, but it's got Sean Bean in as well as all those other people, and it's just loads of fun. I liked it. I did too. You need to talk about something you've watched, presume. It's fine. I was just going to say, uh, have you seen North at all? Have I seen what? Sorry. Great North. No. What's that? So this is a cartoon show by some of the people who did Bob's Burgers, and it stars like a lot of the sort of comedy bing bong types. <laughs> um, oh. So it's a lovely show about Nick Offerman living in the Great North with his little family of uh, weirdos, and it's really adorable. And I think you would like it a lot. <laughs> if <laughs> Just it's based Nick on, Offerman, yeah, yeah, I need I need to look that up. If it's Nick Offerman, Great North, yeah, I, I watched because yeah. um, they did the I think it was the Bob's Burgers people who did the Central Park one, which was sort of a musical cartoon. I haven't watched that yet because I wasn't sure about the musical element. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it's. Every all of the writing's very good and all of the performances are really good, but I don't know if it necessarily holds together. I haven't I haven't bothered watching the second series. And that says, you know, that's kind of an indicator of how entranced I was by it, I guess. Yeah. It, it, I mean it's worth a look, especially if you love Bob's Burgers. It's it's probably yeah. worth a look. Um I ended up watching on Netflix there was a show called Inside Job. Netflix are just pouring out these animated shows at the moment. Yeah. And it's tricky because they're always high quality animation and the casts on them are normally pretty good. But it's like a lot of them are quite similar to each other. Yeah. So it's hard because you, you, you can always sit down and enjoy them and they'll be fine. But whether or not any of them really wow you or like are different enough from all of the others to really like stick in your head, I don't know. But yeah, Inside Job was OK. But I've, got, I've written down Great North. I'm going to I'm going to. I'm gonna do it. Give it a whirl. It's got um one of my one of my favourites, Paul Rust, in it, who is uh he was on like Comedy Bang Bang a lot and he's also in a band called Don't Stop or We'll Die. Um, <laughs> which is which is a sort of I say sort of comedy band because some of the some of the songs are very comedy, but so, some of the other songs are just songs. <laughs> um, yeah. They're all very good. They do a, they do like a, a weekly podcast where they do a new song each week, which is baffling to me. I'm like, how on earth do you <laughs> Do you have the time and the inclination to write a song a week? Jeez Louise. That ain't that ain't nothing. They might be giants. You see, they actually had, predating the internet, they had a phone line that you could subscribe to and they had a song a day on it. So, And I think it was nearly always a different song. So um, I, can't, I can't imagine it either. I think there's someone else who, Jonathan Colton used to do that as well. That's how he kind of <laughs> made his name. Yeah, he did. I can't even stick to like producing a monthly podcast. So, yeah. I <laughs> and there's very little effort goes into that. I'll be honest, because it's usually just waffling with somebody I like for like yeah. an hour and a half, and then cutting out all the bits where I breathe in too loud, uh, and we go <laughs> um and ah, like that's it. That's that's all the effort, and I still find that <laughs> too much. Well, I mean, I've just I've I've stopped doing almost everything now, so I can't really. Yeah, I can't judge you for that, Stacey, because I don't do it. I, I stream. I stream on Twitch. That's the thing I do. But that's literally just playing video games, but justifying it because, like, you're you're streaming it. That's 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 the reason I do that. It's because I would be playing video games anyway. So it's, yeah, I used to love podcasting. I just, I drive everyone away, I think, is the thing. <laughs> I did. There was There was at least, there were two other shows, at least, that I really wanted to talk about. 
So one of the best things I've watched in the last few years, I think, was uh, Back to Life, which is, (laughs) I think it's, I think it's a Channel 4, no, maybe, no, I think it's a BBC show, actually. It's sort of a comedy drama, and it stars Daisy Haggard, Haggard, Daisy Haggard, Haggard. I can never remember her name, but I think she's (laughs) lovely. Um, She was on a Man Stroke Woman, and uh she's one of she's one of the three women in that she's one of so there were three women on men's stroke women uh one of them was a, a slightly scary american lady and the other one has turned out to be a bit of a transphobe um daisy haggard is the lovely one as far as i can tell and it's about and she's the she's she wrote the show as well i don't know if she directed it but she's like the show creator and it's about a girl a, a woman who when she was a teenager when she was 18 she or even younger, I think she uh, killed her one of her best friends, and so she's been in prison for 18 years. And then she gets out at the start of the show, and it's about her trying trying to get by in her local community when, like, literally everyone is either scared of her or just hates her. And it turns out it wasn't like she never she never claimed she was innocent, but there are sort of mitigating circumstances as to how it all happened. You know, she's never really understood how it happened, but she definitely it definitely did. If you see what I mean, yeah. But it's um, it's set in Hythe, which is a little town on the coast, I guess on the east, like southeast coast of the country. I'm not entirely sure. It's like this little, it's like this little coastal town, and it's got Daisy Haggard as the main character. Um, the other the other standout in it is a guy called Adil Akhtar, who was in Utopia, and um, he was in um. The thing about the little boy with the deer horns that was on Netflix, Sweet Tooth. Tooth, yeah. Um, he's a he's a I guess an Asian British actor who who turns up in in he's always like the best thing in anything he turns up in. But it's just a really lovely. So I I feel like we've got loads of shows about murders in small towns in this country. Yeah. And I got bored of them almost immediately after Broadchurch. Like the towns always seem way bigger and way more full of intrigue than. And certainly my experience of small towns in, in Britain has going for it. Whereas this is just this really human story about like she tries to get a job in um she tries to get a job in a local supermarket and the people are really mean to her because of her history. Adrian Edmondson turns up in the second series and he's like chilling in it, which is is kind of a weird turn for him. And it's just oh, and the the other the other female Doctor Who um is her parole officer. I can't remember her name. Joe someone a biscuit obsessed parole officer and it's just lovely it's like it's like such a perfectly english show or british show i guess yeah but it didn't annoy me which is really rare you know and it's called back to life and it's very good i recommend it watched i may destroy you earlier this year which may have been a mistake because it's it's rough guys yeah i haven't seen that one yeah, no, I, I, it's one of those shows that, like, so I watched it because literally everybody I know was, like, raving about, like, how amazing it is. And it, and it is amazing. It is very hard going um, for anybody who wants a sort of content warning about it uh, rather than going in blind. It is about sexual assaults. Mm. And I'll say assaults with an S because there are multiple ones in there within friendship group. Um mm-hmm. But it's one of those shows that it has a very bizarre ending. And I, I don't know if it was intended that way or whether it was a sudden, uh-oh, we might have a series two pivot. Mm. Um, but it, it was one of those shows that, like, what I liked about it was that it felt so 
British, like it's very London. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super London. Uh, and I think I don't watch an awful lot of like British stuff. And I don't know why. Like it's not like I'm going out of my way to be like, that's British. I don't want mm-hmm. it. Because <laughs> that's actually the opposite of the truth. I would love to have more British things in my eyes because I love when I, I like nothing more than when I'm in the middle of watching something, even if it's crap, and going, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there was uh i think it was fast and the furious and like there's a there's like a prolonged shot of a car like whizzing around a corner in london and you can just see really blatantly a Greggs, and i was so yeah. excited by that i was just like there's there's a Greggs in this movie lads there's a Greggs in this fast and furious movie i got very excited but so the, like what i really liked about i may destroy you is that it is it does feel very london and mm. it feels really real as well like it yeah. doesn't so the main character who is the is it Michaela Cole? Yeah, so she's the sort of she's the sort of main person who has been assaulted that we follow, even though there are periphery people that this has happened to. What I really liked about it is that she's not a perfect person, mm-hmm. and she doesn't necessarily a real person might behave if they were in that situation if that makes sense. Like you know how there's a lot of sort of stuff on this sort of topic where people either. It's either about a person going to therapy and, and becoming like an amazing like advocate for um, you know speaking out and blah blah blah, which is a great story to tell. Or mm-hmm. it's the story of like a woman goes on a homicidal rampage to get back yeah. at the men that blah blah blah, which is also like you know a worthy story to tell. But I think it's interesting that this focused on some of the sort of shittier ways it can affect people yeah. as well. But like just an example being that she doesn't really have much sympathy for her friend who is assaulted because he's he's a man and he's assaulted by another man. And she's like, well, hmm, it's not really the same, is it? (laughs) You know, and it's that sort of level of like, oh, yeah, that's like it's not a nice behavior, but it is a perfectly human behavior that she's displaying. But, yeah, it is rough. It's really rough. I shouldn't have watched it when I watched it. It made me really sad. (laughs) I um. Yeah, I think I've been I think I've been dodging a little bit because I'd heard that about it that it was quite difficult. I did but then I did watch there was a show called um Feel Good which I think was a Netflix. I think it might have been on British Terrestrial TV but then they got finished off. It's only two series and it's on um Netflix now I think. And it's it's also got assault at its core, but that doesn't really it's about um it's it's written and these are all female these are all female like creators as well, which is pretty good. Although actually, I don't think that's accurate because May Martin, who did this, may now be non-binary. I can't remember if that if that's a recent development. I'm not sure, but it's May Martin who actually is a stand-up uh, comedian and has been since they were very young. But it's about them trying to make it as a stand-up. They're from Canada, and it's about them trying to make it as a stand-up in England and also having a having a girlfriend who has always been in in heterosexual relationships up till that point and stuff played by Charlotte Ritchie who is who is eventually going to be a national treasure if we don't already call her that you know she's uh she is very posh but she's also just incredibly likable in everything she's in i don't know what that's all about but um yeah the, in the first series it quite quickly becomes clear that uh, May Martin's character May is like dealing with addiction but it towards and the thing about that show though is it's always really light which is sounds weird and when there when there are intrusions of trauma into it it's like really like really shocking in contrast if that makes sense and part part of the thing in in the show is that like the main characters the main characters specifically just they don't deal with it their way of dealing with it is to change the subject or make a joke 
and that's very much the message that comes across about that character i don't think i don't think they're quite as harsh or or um damaged as not damaged because that's a weird way of putting it but like I, I don't i don't think their behaviors are, are quite as starkly not what you'd see as the ones you're describing um in i may destroy you but it is still kind of it's really interesting it's interesting what happens when people who've actually like maybe been through the situations or or who are at the middle of um issues about identity or abuse or all of those things when they when they have the control of what comes out it's always more nuanced and a little bit less like this is the message of this show the message of this show is like this is bad but you can triumph over it do you know what i mean it's i i don't i don't know if i really want to see shows about like sexual assault that aren't by women in a in a way because well that's that's not fair because obviously men can be assaulted but you know what i mean it's just like it feels like we have learned we've learned how those stories work from watching crime shows written to a formula normally by like people who aren't affected by the issues at all and so we kind of that's almost how we understand them until we experience them ourselves and that's just that's just a really distorted way of looking at the experiences people around us have been through if that makes sense like so this ties into uh, a bit a film that i saw last night which i'm not going to go into in too much detail because it's fairly new anyway but rich and i saw last night in soho which is edgar wright's oh, new yeah uh, are you like what this film's about i've seen i watched one of the early trailers and i know that it's about young women and identity and there's some timey-wimey stuff in it that's what i basically know about it whoever cut that trailer either needs a unless they were specifically told don't make this look like it's about sex work and sexual assault and abuse towards women because because the film is about and the trailer the trailer gives you absolutely no indication of this whatsoever I was lucky enough that Rich told me beforehand. He was like, "Do you know what this film's about?" And I was, I thought it was like spooky, timey wimey ghosts, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and about a show about like a, a performer, like a singer or something. Yeah, like a singer yeah, from the sixties. Club singer. And there's like yeah. a spooky sort of element. Maybe there's ghosts. I don't know. It looks a bit scary. Like I'm down for that. And he was like, "Oh, uh, it's well, it's about sort of sexual exploitation of women in the entertainment industry." And it's also about mental health and schizophrenia. And it's very bad at handling both of those things. Oh, right. Okay. And, uh, and, it, and it really it, it really struck me as bad. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know whether this is partly my fault because Edgar Wright is a person, like even a tiny bit. Like I've never met the man. Well, I have met the man once, but it was for like oh. two seconds as he signed a DVD and gave me a new nickname, which was quite nice of him actually. And he did seem like a sound dude. But like in my head, He's like a top-notch guy. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the problem with the way sort of like celebrity works is that we have this like vision of a person where they're like a perfect little, you know, they don't do anything wrong. They're, he's like the perfect guy. And mm-hmm. I've really liked, you know, pretty much everything he's ever put out so, aside from space. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. yeah. and so, you know, I was really excited about seeing this. And from a directorial standpoint, it is very good. There's a, a like, it doesn't, really feel like an Edgar Wright movie to me in that there's not a lot of those sort of like you know swooshy zooms and action shots but there's some really like beautiful really smooth like transitions between like the 60s and today and like there's some wonderful bits in mirrors that you just think how did they do that it's so clever but 
it really shocked me how spectacularly it misses the mark on everything it's trying to say about anything. Right. Um, well, Edgar Wright wouldn't do, he wouldn't do that. It's a lovely guy. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, because he's not, I'm not saying like, no, Edgar Wright is the worst man in the world because he fucked up on this movie a bit. Mm. Um, but it, it really struck me just how like weird, <laughs> how like a weird idea of people that you can get in your own head just from enjoying a few of his films. I think there's a couple, there's a couple of things. There's a, there's a couple of things, aren't there, there where like, you've got no reason to think the guy isn't progressive and um, switched on to the subject like, of assault and exploitation and any of that stuff because he seems like he'd be on the right side of those issues and we're online a lot where a lot of people are talking about that stuff all the time so it's difficult to imagine that someone who has access to the same information and stuff would be clueless about it i see i with a bit with it is the fact that i still don't get the impression that he thinks x y and z about i'm trying to dance around a bit because i don't want to spoil fully spoil the movie but like i don't think that he thinks terrible things about sex work or Mm. about sexual exploitation of women and and that sort of thing i I don't necessarily think that was his point i think the i think the problem was is that the story he wanted to tell needed to be it needed to have these sort of shittier elements in it for, for like the 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 ending that he was going for to work like this this and this had to happen and these three things were actually kind of stupid mm-hmm. <laughs> and i yeah. think so like he hasn't like dropped down in my opinion anything but it's just it was just a really weird thing because i'd sat down to watch a movie and i thought there's no way i'm gonna not enjoy this uh, and whilst it was incredibly pretty to look at and very very cleverly made i actually came out of it kind of cross and i wasn't expecting that that's interesting isn't it I, thinking about it he's a guy who like part of the reason that his films are really nicely made is that he's a major film school nerd isn't he so he's drawing on a lot of film history but and he's probably got a very clear idea i mean i think that 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 shows in films like hot fuzz and stuff like that they're very much inspired by other films rather than by real life if yeah. that makes sense mm-hmm. and so it's i guess there's no real reason to assume that something he'd do about these heady subjects would be that that involves these heady subjects would necessarily reflect the real world or whatever but you'd hope you'd hope that it's almost impossible for a smart person to make a dumb film or a film that's dumb on those fronts if that makes sense it's it's a really difficult film to talk about in terms of recommendations as well because on the one hand i think it is so well made and there are so many wonderful bits in it that i just think it would be stupid for people to not see it (laughs) Mm. especially people who enjoy films but from a sort of plot standpoint i I think maybe just prepared to possibly be a bit angry (laughs) (laughs) once you've finished it just be a bit like oh (laughs) that's what we did was it (laughs) that's that's quite interesting to interesting to hear because I almost watched that this week. Um, the, my friend, it sounds like I've only got the one friend um, when I like the one James? local friend because I keep referring to James. But uh, in in some ways I did no no I haven't I've got more than I've got at least in terms of people I see here I've got at least three. Um anyway uh, so but James and I were going to go and see that this week but we couldn't get a screening during the day to go and see it so we ended up watching eternals instead um and well that's the so he and i are neither of us are big fans of the well he's he's just not that interested in the marvel movies that yeah. much 
Um, he hasn't watched that many of them in the last few years. And I am interested, but don't like them that much. If that makes sense, I, 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 I tend, I tend to, I tend to more see the flaws in them than anything else. I, I think part part of the problem is that like I, I would like them fine. I like the first few fine. I quite enjoyed them at the time, but like people make such huge claims for, yeah. um, specifically for Kevin Fage. Kevin yeah. Fage. Um, after like after one division came out, I saw people I I know uh, without irony saying in Fag we trust, and it's like you can't you can't just use the fact that sometimes these things pan out as an excuse for for like something in a story not making sense or being a bit stupid or whatever. You can't just say oh that'll probably be explained in a later film always because it only ever is is like that only ha- it, things only pan out like about one in five things pan out in across the range of all of those movies that's kind of been my feeling so what ends up happening is i I go and watch a perfectly ordinary blockbuster film and i end up having much i I end up scrutinizing it much more closely than i normally would because of all of the massive claims people make for them i don't have i don't judge pixar movies by the same standard or like disney movies or i watch so many shitty movies because of my sons and like i don't spend I don't spend nearly as much time picking apart the the vagaries of a film like Clifford, yeah. the Big Red Dog, or something <laughs> like that. Jack Whitehall in that film has an American accent. He's the he's the poshest, most English man that we have on TV at the moment, and he has an American accent. But his sister in the film has an English accent. Well, that doesn't make any sense. And and the second thing, when he's on screen with her. She says something, and then he says, "Well, you see, if I hadn't moved here, I'm not. Uh, this isn't what his accent sounds like, but it's as bad." He's like, "Well, if I hadn't moved here when I was two years old, maybe I'd have a lovely English accent like that." And then he does a fake English accent to take the piss out of her, <laughs> and it's really confusing. But I was just watching it with my sons, going, "This is perfectly diverting." There's a cute red puppy. I don't care. But like with the MC, MCU movies, I'll watch one and think, "Yeah, that was all right. It, it was a bit." weird and flabby or whatever but i was diverted and then i'll go online and people will be saying did you see and and that's definitely going to pay off in blah blah and people are talking about the trailers for months in advance of it as well talking about what's going to happen in the like what will definitely pay off and and it ends up making the films much bigger in my head than they could they actually are if that makes sense but sorry i should let you comment on all that stuff i said but i just wanted to say (laughs) eternals was great we really loved it both of us did to sort of chip in there and say that i do think the tv shows haven't helped on that front because there was so much theorizing between episodes of one division and falcon and Mm. loki uh and there was so much like it's got to be mephisto though about everything that i think now everybody is like much more worked up into a lather (laughs) than they i mean i know people have been lathered up about um marvel movies a lot in the past but i think since particularly since wonder like i have noticed online like people are absolutely like frothing at the mouth and it's been driving me mad with spider-man because the two spider-man movies mcu spider-man movies are my two favorite mcu movies like i really really i love them so goddamn much but i have now had to mute the words spider-man peter parker no way home like any combination of the words like sinister six and like Mm. (laughs) there's so many tweets that are probably just completely innocuous just about comics that i'm missing because 
I do not want to hear it one single more fucking thing about No Way Home before I clap my eyes on it in the cinema in December. Like, I am so done with people talking about when are we going to see Tobey Maguire? That, like, I don't want to see yeah. them in the trailer. I want to see yeah. them in the cinema and, like, have an absolute shit fit. Like, or, do you know what? I would love it if they weren't in so much. Yeah, that would be, be That would be a genuine surprise. It'd be like, because I was talking to Rich about this and I said, the thing is, like, I know that knowing what happens in a movie doesn't completely spoil your enjoyment. But yeah. I think taking away that first, you know, first experience of a thing. So, like, as an example, the first time I saw, is it Iron Man 2 or 3 that's got Trevor Slattery in it? <laughs> 3, um, I think. Yeah, the yeah. first time I saw that, like, nobody had mentioned it online. I lost my mind in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody, yeah, back, back then nobody did. Nobody did spoil that, did they? Yeah. And I mean, even to a smaller extent, in Spider-Man Homecoming, when Michael Keaton answers the door, uh, when uh, Peter Parker goes around to, like, pick up his girlfriend for the prom, like, that was like, oh, I didn't see that coming, though, and I got very excited. So, yeah, this whole, like, thing about people just wanting to dissect every element of a poster and a trailer Mm. and a, um, yeah, I just, just stop it. Just stop it now. (laughs) It's the, the 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 thing about it is that for me it's like I can't help but start to think of these things as marketing exercises. I know trailers are marketing exercises anyway, but it's like if it's it's hard to it's hard to unpick what I think. But it's like yeah, it's if I'm if I'm watching a film, if, if I watch Spider Man into the Spider into the Spider Verse, and suddenly all of these multiversal things start coming in, and it's just part of the story, and it's really cool. I can't think. Of, I love that film. I think that's my favourite Spider-Man film. It's one of my favourite superhero films ever, Into the Spider-Verse. And it all kind of just gels together in that, and it's all there for the story. They had a cool story that they wanted to do, and they did it. But at this point, I can't, I can't separate, I can't separate the next Spider-Man film when it comes out from the all of the ways they've generated hype in advance of it. And I can't see it as anything other than generating hype. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It all feels very cynical. And um, of course it's cynical, but but part of the trick is they're supposed to make you feel like it isn't cynical. They're not doing a great job at that part. No, they're really not. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it is sort of, and it's, it's. Um, I, I deliberately didn't watch the most recent trailer. I haven't seen any of the Spider-Man MCU movies. I love Tom Holland. I think he's great. Every, every clip I see of him, is great but i hated i hated the way i hated civil war no is that right yeah i hated, I hated civil, civil war. war yeah me too and um and i hated that he was introduced in that as a sort of a sidekick to iron man and and then everything i saw in the trailers for the first film made me think yeah that feeling isn't going to go away so <laughs> so just keep it at arm's length i get that i mean I'm, it's lovely hearing you like them that much and it kind of makes me want to watch them now but yeah it's it's very it's very strange, isn't it? And especially when I don't know if I, so in the in the trailer that I in the trailer that came out a little while ago, and I'll do this in a way that that won't make your situation worse, and you can tell me if you've seen it. It's have it seen you, both of the trailers, right? Okay, <laughs> so it, it doesn't do them it doesn't do them any favors that we see that we see the Doctor Strange bits that lead to everything apparently, as far as we can tell, getting screwed up in the trailer. Because when that's all you have to go on and you watch it over and over again, it looks like such a fucking stupid scene. Like, it's like, how how did the Sorcerer Supreme for the whole Marvel Universe do this? Well, like, Nick, don't, because the interview decided that that's not Doctor Strange. Oh, has it? <laughs> 
Yes, the internet has decided that that's either Mephisto trying to fuck shit up or it's, oh, who, there was another theory that I've forgotten now. Uh, but long oh. story short, a lot of people are saying, like, like Doctor Strange isn't that jokey, but he's really jokey in this scene. So clearly it's not even him. And I'm like, oh, God. But he has Just, been... Because <laughs> that's the other thing that really the other thing that really pisses me off about the Marvel movies. One thing that I really don't like about them, and I watched Shang Chi the other day, and it doesn't have that much of this. And um, Eternals is really good for it as well. So it's that is what Doctor Strange in the MCU is like. It he's that nearly all Mark of the characters. Pardon. He's Tony, like Tony Stark, the magic. Stark, yeah, exactly. Magic. <laughs> nearly, nearly every character, and and that's part of the problem I have with the MCU is at some point it doesn't matter how interesting a character could be when they're introduced. At some point they're just going to be a quip deliverer. That's that's how that's going to turn out. And the quips are nearly always the same sorts of. It's like a slightly sarcastic, slightly winky sort of comedy. Not it. It's you remember um back when Pixar and DreamWorks were the only ones bringing out CG movies. And people always used to take the piss out of DreamWorks because the characters all had that funny little sideways smirk yeah. on the posters. Do you remember that? I don't know. Are, are, are you not hearing? I didn't hear that. No, I didn't oh, hear okay. that. You, <laughs> I agree have with to, you like three times in a row. <laughs> oh, you'll have to fix this in the edit. Um, but like, um, that's what it sometimes feels like to me. It feels like it feels to me like a lot of the characters in the MCU talk like each other. And it and once you notice it, it becomes really difficult to detach from it. And there isn't as much of that in both Shang Chi and in the Eternals. They have one character who does the lion's share of that. In Shang Chi, it's Aquafina, and in um, in Eternals, they make the smart decision of allowing Kamal Nanjiani to be funny. Like there's there's lots of good back and forth between the characters but like all of the really funny stuff they put in the hands of the guy who's actually a really good comedian so it it kind of works out pretty nicely but yeah i just that's what tony stark no he's not even called tony stark that's what dr strange is like right yeah yeah it's it's this is why i've sort of stepped back from looking at anything spider-man related because i'm just people are so desperate for a mephisto and i don't know why (laughs) it's weird he's not that good a villain yeah it's see what's interesting to me is the fact that you're saying that that these films you you like them more because they're a bit less sort of quippy and yeah one of the things that sort of has put me off eternals a bit well there's there's two things really i I haven't seen it yet and it's (laughs) it's partly because trailers to me looked wildly boring Mm. like there was nothing in that trailer that that screamed out to me like oh you've got to watch this like you've got to you've, you've got to put this in your eyes there was nothing that made me think oh i've never seen this before or oh this looks like a good version of this like nothing n- none of the acting like there was no jokes in any of the trailers mm. like nothing enticed me at all and the other thing is the sheer number of new people because i am a notorious idiot mm-hmm. when it comes to remembering names and faces and the two of those things together and powers at, like this is one of the many reasons why I've just had to stop reading weekly comics because mm-hmm. I cannot keep things straight in my brain as to who people are, what they were doing. And if I happen to be reading, like, say, three different Spider-Man titles, you can bet your sweet patootie that I'm going to forget which story relates to which title and yeah. who was doing what in which bit. Like, it's just my brain is just not a neat <laughs> place. And I was worried about the fact that there's a lot of new people that they throw at you in this. 
and I was scared that I'm just gonna especially because one of the guys in it and I've forgotten his name now but there's one of the guys in it who I always so he's like the silence from Doctor Who for me whenever I look away from him I forget he's even there <laughs> is it one of the one of the Stark brothers maybe uh, I've, I've never watched Game of Thrones so I don't it's so, it's, it's that sort of like generic white man with dark hair and occasional beard yeah like, that's that definitely sort of, one of the Stark brothers one of the minute is just a normal bloke who happens upon all of this stuff that's happening and the other one is basically the superman character yeah and they aren't super charismatic actors they are quite good in this but it's like um they're not asked to do very much one of them who's traditionally one of them who is famous for not being funny in game of thrones is actually like played mostly for laughs I, I, it's it's interesting because because what what you're saying there all makes perfect sense to me and I've heard a few people say that about there being so many characters and it maybe is it maybe is true right I I don't know but they're um I I found that they're all quite different from each other and the way they're introduced all of their powers are quite different from each other and they all look very different I know that sounds daft but like the two white guy actors that you're talking about they're never really in a scene to get they're only in one scene together and they're very different. So the only people you could mix up with each other are um are like hardly ever together. But also you're right about the trailers and I think I think that's cuz I just don't think they really they haven't made a film like this before and I don't think they really know how to market it. Yeah. So on yeah. the one hand they try and include everyone a little bit in the trailer without really giving you a clear indication of what the story's going to be yeah. about and at the same time they know that this is their They've got lots of sweeping vistas in this film and they've got like scenes of scenes from history and stuff like that. And I think they try and get that across in the movie, in the trailer. But like they don't know how to market a film like that. So, well, I mean, I I felt the same about their marketing of Shang-Chi, to be honest, because like um, the the trailer had a sequence that contains both Wong and Abomination Mm. that is actually tantamount to about. 10 seconds of the film and it it felt very much to me like they were saying look you know we don't we know this doesn't really look like your your usual marvel movie but we can assure you look at look wong's in this like it felt very much like they were like trying to reassure us that it is in fact marvel i was just like well that's a weird decision i hated i hated that scene as well now a big a big part of my problem with the first half of that film like is around the way they keep using flashbacks and they use that that scene it literally you see everything that's in the trailer on the in the i think everything that's in the film you see in the trailer bar them finishing the fight and going off don't you i think yeah. and it's like yeah you're right in the film that's the purpose it serves as well i think it's just there to re- remind you don't worry don't worry this does all link in somehow and that's pointless because at the end of the film they also link it in so have you seen shang chai sorry i sorry last week um yeah i i don't think as much as you did based on what (laughs) the conversations we've had outside of the podcast but so it's not to say that it's bad like i gave it a solid three and a half out of five stars on letterboxd Um, but yeah exactly for me the issue that i the issue that i had i don't i don't really like the character of shang chi in the comics anyway like Uh i've never read a shang chi comic that i've enjoyed uh because i've and i think that translated to the screen i think they made the mistake of making nearly everybody else around him a thousand percent more interesting (laughs) than the character of shang chi so i would have rather have had a movie of aquafina or michelle yo or shang chi's dad (laughs) 
<laughs> like or, everything yeah. in this film was just like because he wasn't given like a personality outside of like well I fight I guess and I think <laughs> yeah sorry go on I agree with you I think yeah it's I, it's it's not what I wanted out of it is that what, yeah. what and I'm, and that's not to say that I feel like you know he should have been like a jokester or whatever because that's not the character of Shang Chi anyway but I do think it was to the detriment I do feel a bit badly for the guy who played him because it feels like he was given the short straw in terms of you know all of his dialogue and <laughs> it's a it's a little bit weird I think other people have what what I was uh, um it sounded like I was going to disagree with you which is why I backed right the, the why I backed right off from from what I was going to say because I was interjecting as if I was about to disagree and that wasn't it at all I've seen a few people um, I've seen a few people, I think, interpret the same thing you've said there, but the way they've put it or the way they've experienced it is there's too many other characters in it, and like they see it as there's no need for there's no need for Aquafina and his sister and all of that stuff. And it's I think we're all tapping into roughly the same thing, which is you don't really feel his journey through the film because there's all yeah. sorts of other distractions. And him yeah. as a him as a character, he's not as He's not as dynamic as a lot of the other stuff that's going on. I think, I agree with you about that, but I think that the biggest problem I had with the film was that, especially for the first half of it, it's it's not it's not very focused. Every time you're about to start to feel something, they throw in a, a flashback to tell you how you should feel about it. And it's like you never get a chance to really experience his shit because... His whole there's a, the, one of the one of the most uh, one of the most ridiculous moments in the film is when you see a flashback to him leaving his sister behind, which could have happened earlier in the film. The flashback could have easily happened earlier in the film. And um, you see a flashback to him leaving his sister behind, and then his sister says he says to his sister, "Don't worry, I'll be back in two days or something." And then a couple of minutes later, you see them in the present day, and it's literally on screen time. It's a couple of minutes later. And she says to Aquafina, he says something to her or whatever, and she says to Aquafina uh, something like, "Do you remember? Like, do you remember? Do you remember what you said to? No, she says to him something like, "Do you remember what you said to me when we last saw each other or something like that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, motherfucker, we remember. We literally just saw it happen. five seconds ago." <laughs> and, then she, and she repeats it or something, and it's like all of that stuff about him abandoning his sister, all of the shock of seeing him, the reveal of him having the powers on the or him being able to fight on the train all of that stuff is kind of messed up by the order in which we've seen the information in the flashbacks and they should have either had just all of it at the beginning or just like the first time we hear about his sister is after the people attack him and there's no reason to keep that a secret really so we haven't even known about his sister for very long when we find out he abandoned her and we see her reacting to it and him reacting to it and it's just a little bit like I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't care about this because you haven't given me a chance to. But that's all editing stuff. All of the fights in it are a little bit weird as well because they're like it's the typical American American movie problem when it comes to martial arts action, I think, which is it's all it's all close ups and fast cuts because that's how they film, how they edit action in American movies, especially in the Marvel movies. And it's like that isn't that isn't what makes martial arts sequences good. So I, I feel like everyone did all of the work. Train. I, I get the feeling Simu, Simu Louis. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name. That's awful. And like the person who plays his sister, and they've all clearly done their training 
you can tell they've done all the training and the moves have all been choreographed and whatever but you can't really see any flow in any of the fights because it's cutting backwards and forwards and it's just yeah I, the more i talk about the film the less i enjoyed it so <laughs> i think three and a half is exactly right to be honest yeah. stacy yeah i think it, it's, it's one of those films where like it's sitting comfortably of my marvel movie rankings it's not you know it's the kind of film where if if shang chi turns up in a future avengers movie or something and does a little bit of a fighty fight i'll be like oh it's this guy and i'll be quite happy with it uh but i'm not i don't i don't know that i'll ever watch this again Mm. unless we do a big marvel (laughs) rewatch Um, which we won't be doing for a while because we did one last year. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and there's that's more quite and more enough. of it all the time. Yeah, and that's, that's quite enough Thor The Dark World for me, if I'm honest. Ah. Um, yeah. I uh, haven't seen that one. I think that but, might have been the first you know, one I just caved on, didn't bother watching. To me, like, I don't, because, and this might be, this might be telling about my brain and my memory, but I don't know how you can engage in the marvel universe without seeing everything now (laughs) well i think that's why i don't i think that's why i don't care about it that much because it's like i didn't really like the first thor i love him i think he's brilliant but like the only bit i remember really fondly of the first thor is the bit is the joke there's the one joke when the woman gives him a coffee or something or a drink and he finishes it and slams the throws the glass down on the floor and says bring me another that's yeah. That's the bit I remember from Thor that I really liked. And I didn't I didn't like the second Avengers film very much, which now, you know, now that we know what we know about Joss Whedon, I feel like I have the moral high ground on that one, to be honest. No, I, was, I wasn't keen on uh, Age of Ultron either. I think the thing with Thor is that people didn't realise that actually Chris Hemsworth has got genuinely good comedic timing. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah. Taika Waititi really leaned into that with yeah. Thor Ragnarok, which is a lot thor becomes a lot funnier but i realize that's a really divisive one for some people because a lot of people think of thor as like quite a straight laced you know godly type character uh, i don't read thor comics because i don't really care for them so mm. i'm not bothered about the fact that they decided to lean into making him more of a comedian than anything else because <laughs> think... that made it a thousand percent more interesting to me <laughs> well the the funny the funny thing is it makes more sense it makes more sense based on his origin. I, I don't. I don't really care how far they get from the comics generally. Although I am really worried about mutants. But like it, it doesn't. It doesn't. The the Thor comics. He quite often is quite angsty and quite serious, and he talks all Shakespearean and stuff. But the reason he's on Earth in the first place, the reason he got, um, the reason his dad made him into a human who had to go down to Earth and uh, and live as a mortal to make him a bit more humble was because he's kind of a reckless jerk that's that you know you know have you watched the what if the what if show i i watched the first episode and i I just it didn't i couldn't gel with that animation like at all it it frustrated me and i just haven't gone back to it yet it i mean to be honest story-wise it annoyed me probably more than any of the other shows did for various reasons but there is one episode that is just thor as like a party animal and um, it's voiced by Chris Hemsworth, and it is brilliant. It's like the, probably the best "What If" episode, I think. And yeah, that's that's the place that Thor takes in mythology. Really, he is kind of the arrogant, like uh, not necessarily always funny, but like he's the arrogant, reckless prince, basically. So it makes perfect sense. And Chris Hemsworth is brilliant. I mean, he's just brilliant. I think he's really he's good. 
Yeah, I recently, um, uh, my friend James, the one friend James, uh, recently started a new uh, D&D game, like d- DMing a new D&D game. And my character, I didn't realize until I got there, he's a he's a, a barbarian. And I didn't realize until I got there that the way I was going to play him is basically exactly like Chris Hemsworth's thought. He's just, he just loves everything. He, like, he goes into a room and he's immediately trying to make friends with everyone because like, um, he's just really jovial and sort of likable and stuff, which is difficult for me to play, really. Um, but no, I am. I, um, I, um, I the weird thing is I liked the last half of Shang Chi a lot more than I liked the first half, which is the opposite of what I've heard a lot of people saying. But it's just because I think once they go into the sort of the fantasy world stuff, that's when it becomes we haven't seen this before. Yeah. In the I'll universe. be honest. If you put a dragon in a movie, I'm going to like it yeah like at least that portion of anyway like i'll put this in my review on letterboxd i was like look i know it's a really reductive thing to say because Mm. it's like oh it's you know it's the first asian-led marvel movie but i'm going on about a dragon but i'm sorry you put a dragon in your film that's all i'm going to think about when it finishes how much i want a dragon (laughs) yeah no it's cool and it's like the the minute the funny creature turns up i've I've, I've seen people I love him. Yeah, and and then like when they get to the, I had no idea that all of that stuff was in that film. Like you're suddenly in this strange land with all of these like beautiful. They're basically Pokemon, but like all of these. Yeah. One of them looked exactly like Nine Tails. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a fox with many tails. It's definitely Nine Tails. <laughs> I think I think there's a little bit of cross cross pollination going on there, isn't it? Because I think that's. I think Nine Tails probably is basically a, myth, a, a an old, an ancient myth. Although I don't think it's a Chinese myth. I don't know. Never mind. I, I don't know enough to really like nail that one. But no, and I mean that's the thing. Both both Shang Chi and Eternals are like them trying to do something a bit different, which I which I kind of like. Uh, one thing I will say about Eternals is it's like three hours long, and I didn't feel it. Which oh, well, that's is really, good. It's really weird for me because I start even the films I like. I'm like. Well, this bit didn't need. There's a bit in, um, I think it's in Endgame. Where I, Endgame kind of lost me really quickly, anyway. But like, uh, there's a bit in an Endgame quite near the beginning where Tony Stark's driving up to the mansion where Steve Rogers is waiting to meet him, and the the drive. I'm doing that. I'm showing you with my fingers. You can't see this. Um, the 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 drive up to the up to the building is like a long circular road that comes up and like ends up in front and they show him driving from the end and it's only about like 30 seconds or maybe even 10 seconds and I turned to I turned to the person next to me and said didn't need to show all of that did they <laughs> could have just showed him turning up because I was already starting to feel like this is going to be a long film if they keep doing stuff like this I mean it was a long film yeah, I have a thing at the moment about really long films because I would say like a good sort of 75% of films that are two hours or longer do not need to be. Oh, there, no, are, they don't. there are very few that I could confidently say there's basically nothing I'd cut from this to make it mm. like a smoother, more enjoyable ride. And so I am a bit sort of like, I am sort of in that thing now where I'm like, right, can I be bothered? Because that's another thing that's sort of putting me a bit off the Eternals. Because the other thing is as well is I, I don't, and I don't know whether this this is because I haven't heard many people as many people talking about it, but I don't understand how it fits into the Marvel universe as much as other things. Because like with Shang Chi, even though it is like this mad mythical ears, dragons, and weird Pokemon looking things, and you know mythical fight mm. rings, <laughs> like yeah, 
it's all of that. But then, you know, as we've said earlier, like Wong shows up and then it, it links in when they start. I don't want to spoil, <laughs> don't want to spoil it too much, but it, there's a mm-hmm. definitive, oh, this is how we're getting from here to here mm. with this character. And what I've not heard anybody talk about really with the Eternals is how it has any link at all. And I'm not saying that it's like it definitely has to, but I feel like we're at a point now with this sort of massive universe that it feels like if something's not intrinsically linked, I don't know if I can be bothered to put the effort in. Oh, <laughs> see, this really is. Bad. But this is where this is where I've always been worried about the way they. So obviously, I was. I was working in comic retail in the 90s when this became a real problem with comics like and I was trying to sell people I was trying to sell people the interesting good comics or like the things that I thought were really good but there was a certain section of the readership who had like been re- like basically Marvel and DC were both trying to get people to go oh there's an event happening and I'm going to buy every single issue of the event And so we actually had people like looking at comics that I thought were really good and like asking, well, but does it count though? And I'm like, well, it's 20, 22 pages of entertaining comic art. Like what else do you need? But the thing is when you're sitting down for an hour and a half or like two hour movie and so much of their marketing and so much of their thing is how everything plays into each phase. Of course, you're going to start thinking like that, you know? Um, I, I mean, I, I had the opposite thing where, like, because I wasn't that invested in them, I would find it really irritating if there was something in a film. I don't need everything to sort itself out by the end of a film. And I do like franchise, you know, I do like trilogies and stuff like that sometimes. But like, yeah, I if the point of one film, if the MacGuffin in one film isn't really going to become important until some other film in two or three years time that's more investment emotional investment than i've really got for a film and what i think one of the reasons i like the eternal so much is is that it's i what i'm a little bit what i I think is going to happen is i think it's going to be because of the scale of it it's it's going to be a major part of the next few phases or the next certainly the next phase there's no way it can't be because of some of the stuff that happens in it but because this one kind of starts fresh, there's only a couple of references to the other films. They mentioned the snap a couple of times because they kind of have to, because why were these superpowered characters not involved in the fight against Thanos? It, it is a question they have to answer in the film, but it doesn't take very long and they answer it very, very quickly. And like, um, it's, but yeah, that's interesting because that's the, that's the thing I liked about it, yeah. that it, it, it wasn't linked that closely to the other films. I think, I think the difficulty for me is I'm not awesome when it comes to movies. Like if a movie is worth it and it's three hours, I will happily invest that three hours in it. But I think the thing about the Marvel Universe is the fact that it set itself up now in mm. such a way that you do feel like if you miss one, you've missed I mean, I do yeah. anyway. Like I'm very much a, a complete. I will see Eternals eventually because mm. like, there's no way I can live my life having not seen one of the Marvel movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, obviously, I will. I will see it eventually. But I think the reason I'm not rushing to see it at the moment is because I'm like, well, this one doesn't feel as much like it counts. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I feel like if I'm putting this one off, like if I watch this one, you know, when it comes out on some sort of streaming service or something, uh, I feel like. Even if it's like after Spider-Man has come out and what have you, I don't think that will matter so much. I don't think that will matter at all. No, I, I yeah. don't think it will. I'd like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think I think I think that's part of the problem they've had with the marketing for it is is that they have trained 
I don't want to sound reductive when I say that. Like it's very, it's no, not like we. It's we're primed now yeah. for like to like we were saying earlier. We now as soon as there's like a snifter of a new Marvel movie, it's like give me it, give me all of it. <laughs> yeah, and what and what's going to be in it, and how's it gonna how's it gonna connect and and um and stuff like that, and it's um, obviously. And and yeah, that's I mean that's the flip side. I think they're going to find this more and more as well. Is like people are locked in now, and so they are stuck. They're going to be stuck with having to make films relevant to the rest of it. Whereas I think Eternals kind of it could have been a film all by its. I mean the thing is, I love. I, I grew up in the. I grew up reading comics in the eighties when they were really starting to work out what they could do with the shared universe thing. And so Secret Wars, I think, was the first proper like continuity. The first proper story that ran that impacted on all of the books. Not it wasn't just characters turning up in each other's books. Like it, it actually impacted in their uh, impacted on their ongoing books. And um and so it was all very exciting. And I loved I love the idea that you can have like I I loved I loved it when they first started doing it because I loved the idea that like Nick Fury would turn up in one film and then he'd turn up in another film and maybe every few years you'd get an event that required them all club together uh get together the way they did in avengers but like for me that's about making it feel like it's a lived-in universe so it's like you don't need you don't need dr strange to be a driving force in a spider-man movie but for peter to ask him his advice about an enemy he's facing or something like that because they happen to both be in new york yeah that just makes you feel like well it's all it's a lived-in universe they're all in the same city it makes it feel more real yeah. But the problem is then once then once Doctor Strange becomes a main part of the plot, that's a whole different thing. That is where you have to watch. You kind of have to know Doctor Strange's deal to to really understand what's going on in that, or whether or not he might be Mephisto. You know, that's you can only know that if you haven't seen the. And I haven't seen the Doctor Strange film either, so it's like uh, it's fine. It's yeah. it's 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 Iron Man, but magic. It's not. You don't have to worry about it too much, really. The, yeah, the I like that, I like Robert Downey Jr. and I don't like Benedict Cumberbatch. So it's see, kind this of, is this is you are exactly where Rich is on the scale of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch likery, and he uh, we both came out of that film, and I was like, well, now I want to be a sorcerer, so you've got to live with me trying to learn magic for the next few weeks at least. And Rich was mm-hmm. just like, well, I wish I hadn't even bothered. <laughs> um, he does not like Benedict Cumberbatch, and yeah. he hates him attempting an American accent. It's a bad. Accent. Yeah, I'll give is. Rich that. It's not a good accent. Um, but this is where I was getting a bit sort of baffled by the TV shows because I feel like. Oh. Hello. Yeah, you went away a little bit there. I oh, feel sorry. like as well last heard. <laughs> well, I was, uh, I was just asking if you've seen Loki at all. I've seen. Yeah, I've seen. I'm up to date on them. Because yeah, this was the thing that baffled me a bit is that. So if you haven't seen Loki, I feel like something major, very major happens in the end of that show mm-hmm. i'm trying not to spoil even though i think it might be old enough now that we should probably yeah. get away with it but like something huge happens at the end of that show that is definitely going to in- impact on ant and it mm-hmm. will probably impact on spider-man maybe yeah i, I think know. it does and i feel like it's not watch loki for whatever reason maybe they can't afford disney plus or mm-hmm. whatever like how much are you missing out on because because they haven't watched a TV show in a cinematic universe. But that's a whole conversation for another time. I've just realised how long we've been waffling. (laughs) It's been a real long time. And uh, I I just wanted to briefly mention that I've seen Dune, and I think it was amazing, and it might be my favourite films. 
that's interesting yeah i watched it um i watched that a couple of weeks ago with james at the cinema as well and i'm glad i went to see that end eternals at the cinema they're like uh we've got a very covid friendly uh, cinema in that it's massive and there's loads of seats available and there's hardly anyone there during the day so it, it was a really chilled out experience and i i loved i really liked june i thought it was really nice i do find i've never seen any of his films before um villeneuve's films and so i did find it a little bit sterile Okay. But that's that's kind of his aesthetic, I think. So it's sort of um, it's fine. But no, I I thought it was it was beautiful. It's a beautiful film, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Like I so I I don't have a relationship with Dune at all in the sense that I've never read the book. I've not mm-hmm. seen the um or the TV. There was a like a short-lived yeah. TV series as well, wasn't there? I've not seen any of that business. And I went into this. All I knew about Dune was that it was sandy. That's mm-hmm. as much as I I know. There's sand in it. And that's my <laughs> that, that was the extent of my knowledge on this film. And one of the things that concerned me a lot was that people were saying that like, oh, it's I don't know how he's going to make it relatable and 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 not confuse like it's so confusing. Oh, and I thought, oh no, I'm I'm very easily confused. Mm. So I was. I, I, I don't know whether I enjoyed this more because I went into it prepping myself to not enjoy it at all because I thought I was going to get lost and hate yeah. it. And what actually ha- I found it really easy to follow. It was like with Inception. Yeah. Oh, that movie doesn't make it it's so confusing. And I was like, no, come on. I get Inception and I'm an idiot. <laughs> like I'm an actual idiot. <laughs> So, I mean, when you when you look at the films that people watch and love, like they tend to explain what's going on every single different possible way they can several times. Like they don't. I, I think, again, I think people have been trained to not expect to have to pay any attention at all when they go to the cinema. So Inception, I had the same thing with that. It's so straightforward, but like it, it just baffled. But then people had their minds blown by the, the Matrix and stuff as well, didn't they? And it's like, I do like that film, that film, but it's it's just, these are all science fiction ideas. They're not that complicated. Yeah, I couldn't jive with the Matrix at all, but I don't know if it's because, like, now he seems like a lovely man. And I really hope that in the future I don't have to eat those words with a pinch of salt because mm-hmm. nearly every time I go, oh, I love this guy, he turns out to be mm-hmm. a massive fucking creep. Yeah. Um, but he, he seems like an all right dude from what I've seen on the internet, but he couldn't act his way out of a fucking paper no. bag. Yeah, <laughs> no, just... he's, yeah. I think that about John Wick as well. I quite like the John Wick movies, but it's very hard to take him Probably remotely. in spite of him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the, so the 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 one thing about Dune because I, I um James has read the books he loves the books and he said it was that he said he preferred the Lynch film but this was the more faithful adaptation um it just the the the, the David Lynch film is wild right it's really weird and out there because it's a david lynch film um but for me it was like well there's they're gonna do two films aren't they i think there's there's two two and a half hour films it looks like i think um and for me the only thing they could have done to make this one better would have been if they'd cut it off at one of the natural climax points because there are two of them and then had the last half hour be the first part of a second film and do it as a trilogy like three two-hour films that would have made more sense to me i think because i'd been sat there for two hours and and i'd loved it all and then suddenly there's like 10 minutes of two people walking across a desert and and i was like i i this is all beautiful i i can see that this is all important content 
But I, 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 I would have been happy if that was how a film started. For it to be the last 20 minutes of a film was a bit too much for me. That was the only thing. But that's like, I want, it, I want there to be more Dune. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I, I agree with you. But I think that's, it didn't, it wasn't to the detriment of the film for me, if that makes yeah. sense. So I was just like, I could happily have watched, probably, I could have sat there for like six hours and just watched like the whole saga. <laughs> Yeah. Like I was just happy. You know how some people just put on the extended versions of Lord of the Rings one after another and watch it for like nine fucking hours. Yeah. Or whatever it, is. it might be longer than that, actually. No, I um, think it's I think it is longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like I could happily have done that with June because it was one of those films where it didn't feel like it wasted a moment no. um, for me. Like there was there was never a time when I was like checking my watch and being a bit like, mm, is it nearly finished? Like it, it all felt like, like you say, it felt like important content. But I do agree that it ended in a sort of weird spot. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 very strange as well because I feel like there's one thing that happens in that last bit <clears throat> that's played as quite a big tragedy. I'm not going to spoil it, but that's played as quite a big tragedy. And I think if we'd had a year to sit with, if we'd had a year to sit with, a couple of years to sit with Paul Atreides having visions of this person he was going to meet. We'd feel a lot more strongly about what happens in the last ten minutes than we do when it happens in the last ten minutes. Does that make sense? It does yeah, yeah, it does. Um, but 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 I mean, I didn't. Again, I I was sat there for hours. I I I I do start. I think the ideal length for a film is an hour and a half. And if yeah, it's a little too. bit if it's a little bit epicy, like maybe two hours is okay. And then I start to resent anything over that. And I didn't feel that with Eternals or with Dune, which is really like. It's good because I'm getting old and I can't sit in a cinema for very long before I start to need the toilet and stuff. So it's it's quite a big deal for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel the same way. Like there's been so many films I've watched lately that I've literally put on just because I've looked at the time and it says 93 minutes. I'm like, yes, I don't even care what this film's about. Get it in my eyes. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like Dune is one of the films that I could happily say. Like I literally think I could have just sat and watched it all day and it wouldn't have bothered me at all. <laughs> okay, cool. But yeah, so it's almost the end of waffle time. Um, so shall we roll on to the one and only segment that the show has that still doesn't have a name? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to tell the lovely listeners what musical recommendation you have for them this month? So I sent you a message saying I changed my mind about this. Did did you get that? Did yeah, and then yeah. I listened to the song just to make sure that I wasn't being an uneducated bin when you. <laughs> so um yeah, so there's a there's a lady called Norma Tenega. She's dead now. Um she's from she's from the olden days. Um apparently uh maybe had a well had a had a long live in relationship with Dusty Springfield, but is not as famous as Dusty Springfield. Um and I only found out about her recently because she did the song You're Dead, which starts I think maybe the film what they do in the shed what they do in the shadows or what we do what's it called Stacey is it called what we do in the shadows or what they do in the shadows uh, what we do in the shadows what we do in the shadows it's definitely the theme tune to the tv show and it's really catchy uh, yes. um it's called you're dead that one and I love it and I thought it was a man singing it to be honest so I looked it up and I, I assumed it was new I assumed it was some new hipster a person that I didn't know about, but I looked it up and it turned out it was this lady who I'm not sure what her ethnicity is, but she was an American lady who lived in England and she's, she's non-white, which I think because of the time we're talking about, like the fifties and sixties, the sixties might be why we don't really know who she is. Cause she's got like a sort of a folky sort of 
sounds to her but there's a song on her album and there's only really one album i think she ever got out uh which is called walking my cat named dog which is also one of the names on this on one of the names of one of the songs on the album there's a song on there called a street that rhymes at 6 a.m which i think is just uh, kind of about wandering the streets in the early hours when everything's empty and just trying to work out your place in the world which is just i just think is lovely and that's that's the song that i think more people should hear and know about um and that's why that's why i i I brought it up with you i think and she's only got this one album which i listen to quite a lot on spotify at the moment um i'm I'm definitely going to check out the album now because i had to listen to the track just before we started recording and i really like it too Mm. and i do also really like you're dead so (laughs) brilliant it's a very good song like that those opening credits are amazing not least for the like wonderful oil paintings of uh uh nadja and co like yes i'd hang some of those on my wall good lord i uh i have a weird that i had a weird relationship with that because i always felt a bit weird because i thought i thought nadja and um nandor were doing which is stupid i thought they were doing eastern european accents and i felt a little bit weird about the fact they were clearly like doing that for comedy value but it turns out no he's doing a persian accent and that's roughly the part of the world he's from and she's doing greek which (laughs) It becomes really obvious in the second series because when she's got that little doll that's her, that's oh, also that. her, mm-hmm. they quite often like say little pet names and stuff to each other in Greek, which took me right back to not really understanding what anyone in my family was saying um, when I was growing up. And I felt all lovely. I think that's probably why I ended up watching stuff like Splats as well, to be honest. But anyway, yeah. It's good a reason as any. Yeah, but um, the opening credits are amazing. They are. They really are. Um, the song that I chose is a bit of a weird one, actually, because uh, it's it's me not being on the pulse of any sort of modern anything uh, mm-hmm. as well. Possibly a bit more on the pulse than you. Um, this mm-hmm. is a song called Desire by Meg Myers. Did you happen to check it out before? I, d- I did. You, said you showed, showed me the link the other day and it was really yeah. nice. I liked it. This is a song that popped up on Richie's favourite playlist the other day, and I don't think I'd ever heard it before, and now I'm obsessed with it. And I've got to, re- <laughs> like, I don't, I don't quite know why I've taken to this song so much because it's very sort of sexual, which is not, <laughs> not me at all. Like I'm the opposite of sexual, good lord. And it's very sort of intense, I found. But it's, I don't know, it's just really struck a chord with me, and I, like, I found myself just putting it on like a lot. Might be a bit weird. <laughs> the thing is. Once I found a song that I like, like I could listen to it like 33 times a day and it wouldn't bother yeah. me at all. But then all of a sudden I'll find a different song and then that will be the new thing that I listen to for like ever. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a really good song about like wanting to fuck, I think. Oh, um, right. okay. It's a bit, <laughs> bit sexy and dangerous, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, if you guys want to listen to uh, a really nice song about finding a new place in the world and then like a really slightly sexy song about doing a sexy have a listen to the parlor recommendations playlist where these songs will reside with all the other things that me and my lovely guests have chosen in the past and uh on that note i now need a wee <laughs> uh, <laughs> we all thought it was going to be nick but nope it's me uh would you like to plug your twitch channel or anything whilst we're yeah so the, the two the two things i'm really doing are the two things i'm really doing at the moment one is i'm on twitch semi-regularly um in the evenings and that's at on twitch at nick site n-i-x-s-i-g-h-t i'm quite often joined by a friend of your show friend of this show uh james uh james gilly who is my only 
only friend except he's not really but he sort of is but not really uh, but the other thing i really should mention because i keep forgetting about it is i have a book out <laughs> which has been out for like a couple of years now but um because of uh, lockdown and everything i wasn't able to promote it as well as i'd like it's a book of short stories um and you can get it at, at, at all um, online booksellers i think definitely amazon but i think you can get it at various other places and it's called the room next door and it's got a lot of stories in a laura laura stories Laura Lully stories. Yeah, Laura, Laura, lovely stories. Yeah. Too gosh darn long. <laughs> Good heaven. I've been saying that to everybody. It's like I'm so starved for social contact that when I do podcasts now, I'm like, oh, it's you. And I never want to stop talking. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is, I think, why I end up needing a wee at the end of every episode lately, because I've talked so much to the people before we start recording, because I'm like, oh, it's someone new to talk to. Um, but thank you. Yes, it's been a delight. It's, it's been, been lovely. I, we really do need to do this. Uh, like, I really like the idea of something that's not necessarily locked to um, an actual convention, but where we find somewhere in the middle of the country, maybe, that we can... In Midlands, you say? <laughs> well, somewhere in the, in the roughly, yeah, I guess you're not that far from me really so it's sort of yeah we should do something anyway i need a wee as well so i should let you go too well listeners have a great one and uh, i'll speak to you next month ta a bit bye thank you for listening to stacy's pop culture parlor to get in touch with me the titular stace you can follow me on twitter at stacy's parlor send an email to stacy's parlor at gmail.com or come and join the stacy's pop culture parlor facebook group If you'd like to leave a review for the show, please do so on Apple Podcasts or over at podchaser.com. If you like what you heard enough to want to give me some money, which would be quite spectacular actually, you can go to coffee.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. The music that you're hearing right now is by the amazing band Starbomb and you should really check them out on Spotify, iTunes or on their website. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you next month. Mwah!